look at this morning. Actually, we're going to look at all four Gospels. We're looking at Palm Sunday. This is the day Jesus comes riding into the city of Jerusalem triumphantly. And everybody begins celebrating big time. And uh, we take a look at it here in the, in the four Gospels, starting first with uh, Matthew. He says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, uh, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Well, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Now, this is significant because the, what was happening here. Jesus, in the life of Jesus, there were all kinds of prophecies in the Old Testament talking of the Messiah. You know, there, this was no surprise. They knew he was coming. And there were pretty much two pictures of the Messiah. One as this conquering king, and the other as this gentle, suffering Messiah. And uh, these guys really expected him to show up and be the conquering king first. Because the Romans were oppressing them. And that's why a lot of them missed it. Because they were so disappointed. In fact, when they were shouting Hosanna to the king. They were hoping to make him king. And and to take over. But uh, actually, in point of fact, Jesus came as a suffering Messiah. First, as we know, suffering for the sins of the world. And uh, um, fulfilling these prophecies. And one of the prophecies was that this king would come to you riding on a donkey. And we read it. He quotes it here. He says, say to the daughter of Zion... See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a coal, the foal of a donkey. So he's fulfilling this prophecy. Well, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and while others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus was entering Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and said, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. But when the chief priests, the religious people of the day, saw the wonderful things, and notice they were wonderful things. They didn't care about the wonderful things. What irritated them is that the children were shouting in the temple area. You don't do that in the temple area. You must be quiet. Must be very reverend. And the kids were running around shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Well, these religious people were indignant. And they said to Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? He said, yes. He says, have you never read? And then he quotes from the Old Testament again. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. We read in the Gospel of Mark, the same account. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. In Luke we read, When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. We're going to read in just a minute what one of those miracles was. But Blessed is the king, they said, who comes in the name of the Lord. Looking for this king. Peace in heaven on glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. All this praising the Lord nonsense. What is this? Tell them to stop. And Jesus replied, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Lesson of that story is you can be replaced with a rock. In the Gospel of John, meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came. 
not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus. Okay, now this is where we get more detail. One of the reasons the crowd is so jazzed through the ceiling is because they had heard about Lazarus. They're all so excited about these miracles. Lazarus was a yo mama miracle. Say, what do you mean? I mean, Jesus did many wonderful things. He did many miracles. He healed people and, and, uh, and even raised people from the dead who had died. And just boom, he was there and, and he raised them from the dead. But you know, it's really interesting how quick people are to discount miracles. To try and explain them away. You know, you share incredible answers to prayer in your life. And people say, well, that's just a coincidence. Just a unique set of circumstances. You're a very lucky individual. It's interesting how lucky you become when you start trusting Jesus. It's interesting how lucky you become when you start to pray and trust God to do things in your life. It's not luck. It's God moving. But people like to explain it away. And I'm sure people tried desperately. Certainly a lot of the religious people of the day tried to explain away the miracles that Jesus did. Guy was sick. Well, he probably would have gotten better anyway. It's probably, you know, leprosy. Yeah, that'll clear up after a while. You know. People who are dead. We read a story of Jesus. And as he was coming to the house, the little girl passed. And everybody was crying. But he came and, and he, he raised the girl from the dead. You know, some people say, well, she, she probably was just mostly dead. Yeah. <laughs> you ever see that movie? What's the name of it? What is it? Princess Bride. I love that movie. Cool movie. You got to see this movie. Have a nice time storming the castle. It's hilarious. The whole thing is a scream. In one of the scenes, these people are dead, but he says they're just mostly dead. Anyway, inside joke. But uh, <laughs> explaining away, well, you know, who knows if they were really dead? You know, you know, you hear stuff like that. You know, well, their heart stopped. Well, it didn't mean anything. It's just, you know, and everybody's quick to explain miracles away. But when he came to Lazarus, <laughs> This one is a bit problematic. Because what happened is he gets sick and and Jesus uh, is called for. Lazarus is a friend of Jesus. His sisters love him and and they call for him to come. and, And Jesus takes his time. He waits. He kind of drags his feet as it were. And Lazarus dies. Well, it's not until three days later Jesus shows up. And of course, the sisters are just beside themselves. And they're actually mad at him. Mad at him. Say, well, if you'd have been here, why didn't you come? You could have prayed for him. You know, no, 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 no. The whole thing is, you know, sure, you can do miracles. You can do stuff. But, you know, now it's too late. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you're, you're expecting God to do something and, and you're hoping God will protect your life and some circumstances come in and you get the sense of it's just too late. If it could have been helped, but, but you could have helped earlier, but it was, it's, it's, just, it's just too late now. I deal with couples all the time, you know, their relationships. They're struggling and say, well, you know, pastor, it's just too late. Hey, by the way, hand me that book, will you? I forgot to talk about my book. Guess what came out? My book. <laughs> kind of excited about it. This is cool. Very exciting. It actually comes out March 25th. It'll be in bookstores all across the country. It's produced by or published by one of the largest publishers in the world, Schleiman & Schuster on Atria Books. And uh, this is cool. We're very excited about it. But you can get copies of it today if you want uh, at the bookstore. And I'll be happy to sign it. That'll cause the price to go up. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
Ah, it's, it's a cool book. You know what's great about this book? Other than that, I wrote it. Is, uh, is it really explains why things are the way they are between men and women. When you understand the why, it changes everything while changing nothing at the same time. He said, what are you talking about? There's this little story I tell in the book. Let me read this to you real quick. It says, once there was a boy who lived with his mother and grandfather. The grandfather was not really an elderly man, but he was confined to a wheelchair and had very little use of his arms. His face was badly scarred and he had a difficult time swallowing his food. Every day the little boy was assigned the task of going into his grandfather's room and feeding him. This the little boy did faithfully, but not joyously. It was quite a mess to feed grandfather. As the boy grew into adolescence, he became weary of the responsibility. One day he stormed into the kitchen and announced that he had had enough. He told his mother, from now on, you can feed grandfather. Very patiently, his mother turned from her chores, motioned for her son to sit down and said, you're a young man now. It's time you knew the whole truth about your grandfather. She continued, Grandfather has not always been confined to a wheelchair. In fact, he used to be quite the athlete. When you were a baby, however, there was an accident. The boy leaned forward in his chair as his mother began to cry. She said, there was a fire. Your father was working in the basement. He thought you were upstairs with me. I thought you were downstairs with him. And we both rushed out of the house, leaving you alone upstairs. Your grandfather was visiting at the time. He was the first to realize what happened. Without a word, he went back into the house, found you, wrapped you in a wet blanket, and made a mad dash through the flames. He brought you safely to your father and me. He was rushed to the emergency room, suffering from second and third degree burns, as well as smoke inhalation. The reason he's the way he is today is because of what he suffered the day he saved your life. By this time, the boy had tears in his eyes as well. He never knew his grandfather had never told him. And with no conscious effort on his part, his attitude changed. With no further complaints, he picked up his grandfather's lunch tray and took it to his room. You see, once you know the whole story, once you understand the why, everything changes, even though nothing changes at all. It's powerful information. You really ought to stop by and check this out. Information. It's too late. And indeed, the sisters of Lazarus were so mad at Jesus because it was too late. He'd waited too long. Jesus told them to have faith. And he goes and he tells them to remove the stone in front of the grave. And they were shocked and mortified. What are you, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? It's too late. He, he stinks. That's what it says. He stinks. He reeketh. He's been dead three days. It's one thing if a guy just dies. It's one thing if a guy's sick. It's one thing if it's fresh and you can do something about it. But this is way, way too late. He's been rotting for three days. Jesus said, roll away the stone. And everybody watched. Shocked. And amazed when Jesus screamed out, Lazarus, come forth. And this man who had been dead for three days, wrapped in his burial clothing, the Bible said, comes hopping out. (laughs) And the whole place goes, whoa. 
If I'd have been there, I'm sure I would have freaked. Somebody starts hopping out of the casket. I'm going, ah, you know. But this was beyond anything that could be explained. This was a miracle and everybody knew it. And one of the reasons the crowd was so jazzed on that day was they had heard what Jesus had done. They wanted to come see him and to see this Lazarus whom Jesus had raised from the dead. This was such a problem actually, he says in verse 10, that the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. Jesus was a problem. Now this other guy's a problem. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches. We gave you palm branches as you came in this morning to celebrate this day, to mark this day. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Four very simple things I want you to notice from today's story, from the events that we recall today. Number one, the celebration that took place was spontaneous. Spontaneous praise. Spontaneous celebration. Now, we have parts of our service that are scripted, without a doubt. Even this morning, you know, Pastor Lathan had you repeat together. These words, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We say the the Lord's prayer together, all these things, which is fine and uh, totally appropriate. Uh, One of my frustrations with more traditional churches, and I'm not against them. There's a lot of people who preach against the traditional church. I do not do that. I thank God for them. I think what they do is wonderful. We certainly don't agree on everything, but but I, I appreciate everything they do. But one of the things that I struggle with them is their propensity to script everything. To script all portions of worship. I think parts of worship should be spontaneous. And people should be encouraged to spontaneously worship. One of the things that's very different uh, in the service. Uh, if, if you're not uh, uh, familiar with this kind of service. When you come in it's like, whoa, what's going on? Everybody's kind of just praising God and singing and doing all the different things. It's, it's a bit spontaneous. And, and that's a wonderful thing. Or as opposed to, let us give thanks to the Lord. For it is right and just. All right. Now, I know what they're trying to do, but come on, lighten up. Can you imagine going to Lambeau Field and the team just scores a touchdown and the announcer says, let us give thanks to the Packers. And everyone responded, for it is right and just. I mean, come on. It's spontaneous, spontaneous eruption, yelling, screaming, celebrating. Yeehaw. Because that's true celebration. True celebration is very spontaneous. It's not scripted. The other thing that is of note here is it didn't happen in a church. It doesn't have to happen in a church. In fact, if all of your praise and worship happens in here, if all of your praise and worship only occurs when you're in a church building, then you don't have the real deal. I'm telling you. The real deal will make you celebrate all week long. Be thankful All week long. Be grateful to God. All week long. Doesn't just have to happen. On a Sunday. Or certain times of the year. You know next week this place will be jammed. Get here early. It's when all the creasters come out. 
Go to church twice a year whether they need it or not. Christmas and Easter. I'm telling you, if that's the limit of your experience, you, you don't get this. You don't get this. Real life of God coming out of you causes you to celebrate and to be thankful all the time. And it doesn't happen, doesn't have to happen in a church. Indeed, it should happen all over your life. Number two, first of all, it's very spontaneous. Number two was loud and demonstrative. Now, one of the marks of a true celebration is typically it's loud. It tends to be loud. You get a bunch of people together that are celebrating, take you to the bank, they're loud. If you're in a restaurant and you hear a bunch of loud people, it's either the gungers or someone having a party. <laughs> All right? Because the loud people celebrate. They're loud and they're celebrating. <laughs> Sometimes people say, your, your church, it's, it's so loud. Why is everything so loud? The music's loud. The singing's loud. The clapping's loud. Shh. Honestly, you wonder sometimes, you know, these... Again, I'm not trying to be mean to traditional churches. I love you. God bless you. It's fabulous. But lighten up a bit. You know, in, in real life, the only time you were ever really quiet in the house is when dad was ticked. Right? When dad is mad, the word gets out quick. You better be quiet. Dad's really hacked off. And if you have to ask him anything, there's just dread that falls over you. And you come to him in fear and trembling. Uh, dad, dad, I know you're busy. Uh, I need five. I need three bucks. Can you... Can you help me out here? You know, why? Because dad is ticked off. Honestly, you go into some of these churches, they, they got to think God is really mad. Shh. He's really ticked. You know, and they pray, God, I know you're really busy, but would you mind if, you know, when we get very religious, oh, thou most omnipotent father I mean good grief wouldn't you feel horrible if your kids came to you like that instead of coming to you and say hey dad I need some money oh thou most powerful father I know you know all but could I have five make it a buck and a half could I have something Good grief. I got news for you. God is not mad at you today. He actually likes you. He does. He likes you. And I have no idea why. You know, because I know some of you, you know. But I mean, he likes you. He celebrates you. He wants to bless you. He went through all of this on purpose. He sent his son into the world to die on the cross for us on purpose. It wasn't a freak. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't something he just had to do. Just go, I got to do something for these people. He passionately did it because he loves you and he loves me. (laughs) Hallelujah. And when you celebrate, you get a little loud. 
and you do something. You just did something just now. You yelled yoo-hoo and clapped. <laughs> Why? Because when you celebrate, you do something. You just stand there. You raise your hands and you celebrate God. Because why, why, why do you raise your hand at your church? I think it's rather odd. Rather odd. Very inappropriate. That you raise your hand in church. Of course, these very same people will leave the service, go to Lambeau Field and be going, Wow! Wow! Usually with a big, you know, G on their bellies. Wow! Enough antifreeze in them to hold them over till. <laughs> Sonny, it's not inappropriate then. It's amazing what great worshipers they become down at Lambeau. <laughs> Woo! Yeah! All right! Yeah, 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 yeah! Come to church. <laughs> Good grief, people! So number one, it was spontaneous. Number two, it was loud. Number three, the religious people couldn't stand it. Could not stand it. They hated it. Tell, tell, tell your people to stop that. They can't do that. Is there those children praising you? Stop by the temple? It's amazing how religious people get irritated by true celebration and praise. So number one, it was spontaneous. Number two, it was loud. Number three, the religious people didn't like it. And number four, and it's one you don't notice much, but I pointed out just a minute ago, this whole thing about Lazarus. Number four, it's hard to argue with a dead man. <laughs> Are you hearing me? This is what got them all so jazzed. Because you could not deny what they saw. I want you to know something today. As much as you want to try to be able to reason with people, as much as you want to be able to answer their questions about faith, you know, and try and explain to them why we didn't just crawl out of the slime and drop out of a tree and monkey-wise one day and turn into people, you know, and as much as you want to try and reason with them and answer their questions, I got to tell you, you will never reason anybody into the kingdom of God. You know, you can't do it. You can come up with, you can be the most brilliant person in the world. And all the reasons, blah, 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 blah. But I'm telling you, the most powerful reason in the world is your changed life. When he changes you, and people who knew you now see the new you, that's powerful stuff. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you, my life was changed dramatically when I came to Christ. And I got changed dramatically because I saw someone else get changed dramatically. I was 16 years old, it was 1960 something, I don't know, a long time ago, back when the dinosaurs still roamed the earth. <laughs> I was a young hippie, I wanted to be like the cooler, older hippies. 16, I was in a rock band. And there was this guy in town, he was like the cool hippie in town. And you could always tell the coolest guys because they had the cool walk, you know, just. <laughs> you know, I, just, I wanted to be like the cool hippies. This guy was the coolest. He was the king of the hippies in our area. But something happened to the guy. He went out to California, heard about the gospel of Christ, and it changed him. He came back a born-again Christian. And we all heard that the cool hippie had gotten saved. I said, what? 
The cool hippie got religion? How awful is that? This is terrible. You work hard to be the coolest hippie and now he's blown it all. I was so irritated. And I remember I was in our basement jamming with the band when all of a sudden the cool hippie came. He still had the cool walk though. <laughs> but he was glowing like a light bulb. Smiling, he sat down. I just made me mad. And I got up and I started arguing with him about God. Started arguing about religion. And, and he started to explain to me the Bible. That's really hilarious because when I started reading the Bible, I discovered 98% of everything he said was wrong. He was. He did not know what he was talking about. I don't think the marijuana had cleared out yet. I mean, it's. This guy was making up stuff that just was off the wall. Just zing, 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 zing. But you know, at some point, I, as much as I was trying to fight with him in an argument, at some point, I quit hearing anything he was saying. All I heard was blah, 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 blah. And I, kept, I couldn't take my eyes off of him. I mean, the presence of God was on this guy. The life of God was coming out of his eyes. I thought, whoa, I want what he has. And I started crying. Tears come down my face. I said, dude, dude, I need what you got. Will you pray with me? He said, wait, I'm not done yet. <laughs> and he kept on rambling. I would interrupt him three times before he shut up. Finally got down and prayed with me. And I'm telling you, that life of God I saw in him came inside of me. The weight of sin lifted off my shoulders. And I got this stupid grin slapped on my face that hasn't come off since. And I'm just thrilled with this thing. I'm telling you, it's fabulous. <laughs> And while I wasn't the smartest guy in the world and still fall into that category. The one argument I have that no one can ever take away from me is once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I had little value, but God redeemed me and filled me with his value. I was dead and now I'm alive. And I don't care what argument you got, you can never take that away from me. It's hard to argue with a dead man. This testimony of Lazarus, a powerful thing, being raised from the dead. Wow. The bummer is he had to die again. <laughs> That's got a bite, huh? You know, we all hate the idea of dying one time. He's raised from the dead. He's got to die again. But the great thing about Jesus is when he was raised, it was once and for all. Never again to die. The eternal son of God. The firstborn from the dead. We're going to talk about that next Sunday morning. We're going to have our ushers come and our musicians come back as we get ready to close the service with our communion time this morning. So where are you at this morning? Is your life filled with spontaneous praise to God for his wonderful blessings in your life? Or is your life filled with bitterness, complaining, criticizing, whining, life's terrible, blah, 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 blah. Well, Pastor, I, I disagree with you. I, I can be very thankful without saying anything out loud. Really, what a joy you got to be around. <laughs> and there's people like that. Good heavens, don't be like that. There's people that never say thank you to their families. Men who never say thank you and I love you to their wives. Women who never say thank you. I mean, man, don't be that way. Well, I, you know, they know I mean it. No, they don't. You need to say it.
need to start with just the people around you be grateful and thankful. Like the one guy says to his wife, oh, I told you I loved you once. If anything changes, I'll let you know. Don't be a moron. And if you can't even do that with the most basic, how in the world do you, basic relationships, what about your relationship to God? You need to be able to be thankful. Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you never say it, you don't feel it. I don't care what you say. Well, I feel it, I never say it. You're full of baloney. If I'm going to believe you or Jesus, let's see, you or Jesus, you or Jesus, you lose. Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If the mouth is speaking it, it ain't in it. In fact, you want to really know what's in there? Listen to what people say. What do they talk about? What's always coming out of their mouths? They yelling, screaming, crying, complaining, cursing all the time. That's a picture of here. I said, well, that's kind of me. I said, well, I'll tell you what. You can change here this morning if you will surrender to this wonderful God who loves you so much that he gave his all so you could have eternal life. He died on the cross. His body was broken. We're going to celebrate that right now. His body was broken. His blood was shed so you could have forgiveness of sins. Let's bow our heads this morning. I'm going to invite everybody here to pray with me. If you'll be willing this morning to pick up your cross, deny yourself and follow Jesus, you can experience this wonderful life of God coming into you as I did so many years ago. I'd like to invite everybody to pray this prayer with me. If you'll believe this, you can start your first step of faith this morning. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you love me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.